pull into the full. My name is Chrissy. And I am Emma Rose Klinger. And if this is your first time joining us, just know that we are two students and best friends who are at Fuller Theological Seminary together at the same time because yep. God brought us there at the same time. And we come together once a month to just kind of integrate what Chrissy's learning and what I'm learning um, and just talk about what we're learning about Jesus and loving him and living life to the full and to whole, yeah. wholeness, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and relationally. And so I am in a PhD program uh, pursuing a clinical psychology degree and focusing in on trauma and spirituality. And I am working on my master's of divinity in pastoral counseling. Yes. And we are just doing this thing together. We are learning together. We are actually like walking through our own healing together and just all of it together with God. Yeah, so. yeah. And we are just so excited today because we are gonna dive in deeper in trauma, but I wanna say yep. actually dive in deeper to healing yeah. uh, because I think God has so much more for us beyond our past and the limitations of the past. And um, we have an awesome guest who's going yes. to be speaking <laughs> with you guys today as we kind of bring together what we've been learning over the last quarter, also yeah. with you in your class. Um, yep. I know you read some of her work in class. I did. So, it was um, such a blessing. And I just have to say, I feel like you know, we we came into this thing not really knowing what to expect and just wanting to share and be vulnerable. Um, mainly it started just with our learning journey yeah. and God's really shown us how to be vulnerable in our learning, but also in our healing. Mm. And we've really just tried to be obedient in that in the last couple episodes of being very real and raw of some of the things we are actually walking through so that you guys know we we are not going to act like we have it all together. And so I just think it's so beautiful, one, how God has honored that and really just continued to work on ourselves um, and just like bringing it all together with Dr. Have we said it We're going to say it now. <laughs> you can tell. With Dr. Tama here. She's so amazing. Yes, yeah. So um, Emma's going to introduce her and yes. we are just, I mean, you guys can tell I'm like, having a girl moment over here to have her here. Yes. So you guys should see Dr. Tama on the screen. Yay. So just real quick, uh, some words about Dr. Tama Bryant. So she is a professor at, um, at Pepperdine University here in Southern California. She also got her Master's of Divinity, similar to how, what Chrissy is pursuing right now. And she is an ordained minister at the African Methodist Episcopal Church. And so she directs the mental health ministry there. And so um, basically she's kind of our dream, like of what we would want to do one day. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we get to see this, this um, just powerhouse in the field of psychology, but also in trauma and racial trauma and just yeah. moving things forward, I think, into um, this new day and age for us. So um, she just came out with her book yes. last week. It's called Homecoming. It is so amazing. It's so amazing. <laughs> and I think we actually both need to reread the book because we kind of read it really quickly for this episode. <laughs> We're like, but we got to get this in. And you even say in the book, you know, you have permission to take this slowly. Like, I think it was chapter two and you're like, you don't have to rush through this. And I was like, but I, I do, <laughs> but I'm going to go back. Yeah. And so Dr. Tama is also a mother and a sacred artist and she's all of the things. And so all we're just it. really blessed and honored for her to even say yes to join us today. Yeah. Um, we were just joking with her right before uh, we went live about how she's wearing butterflies because that's a big deal for us. 
Um, and yeah, so I guess I guess we'll go ahead and get started. I don't know yeah. if there's anything else you want to add before no, we jump No, we in. just are excited to have you here. And we would love to know how you're feeling right now, yeah. Dr. Tama, with your new book coming out. Um, yeah. yeah. It's been like less than a week and you're already a number yeah. one Amazon seller and just... I think just the amount of love and camaraderie and community and just people pouring out on you and like for this book and what's going, I'm just so curious how you're feeling about all of it. Wow. <laughs> I am feeling amazing. I'm Good. so blessed and so grateful. First of all, thankful to the two of you for the invitation and for you doing this work, this mm -hmm. ministry that you're doing. Uh, because it is about trying to connect people and build community and have these honest conversations. And I love that you all are uh, best friends. That's just mm -hmm. fantastic because that's what we need on the journey is our sisterhood. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And uh, with the book coming out, I am so grateful this weekend. I live in Los Angeles, but I was able to fly home to Baltimore where I grew up and have the first book signing at my home church. Bethlehem wow. Church in Baltimore. And so I wow. ministered yesterday and then signed a book. <gasps> And the number of people in the line who said this was the first book signing they had ever attended. Wow. wow. Ah, I was blown away and just so grateful to be able to show up for my community in that way and to be able to show up with you all. It's just been a joy that something I wrote in the midst of the pandemic is now wow. going out and reaching people from all walks of life. Wow. And it's so needed, especially after the pandemic, yes. on top of everything else people have gone through, you know? Right, right. right. I was reading that um, after pandemics and infect infectious pandemics, that there's typically an increase in PTSD. And so I feel like this is so uh, perfectly yeah. timed. Thank you, God. Um, yes, exactly. Thank God. Well, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Yes. So we have a couple people with us live today, and I know we'll be sharing the recording afterwards. And I'm curious if you wouldn't mind, um, for those of you who may not have jumped into your book yet and may be new to you, and they just know that you're this powerhouse woman and that's all they know of you. Like, I guess, would you mind sharing a little bit about your backstory and how you even came to want to integrate theology and psychology together? I know you talk about it a little bit in the book. For those who don't, who don't know you, would you mind sharing? Certainly, absolutely. So I am a pastor's daughter, PK, and actually both of my parents are in ministry and really raised my brother and I with the idea of service mm. um, and community empowerment. And so growing up, my mother regularly took us to nursing homes, to hospitals. We would call it the sick and shut in list. And so mm. she would provide the communion and we would have prayer or scripture and just visit with people. Um, and so there, in the Black church tradition, the norm is that church is not just open Sunday morning, mm. that church is really a community space, a community mm. center. So at my father's church growing up, we had an AA degree program. We had a place where you could get uh, clothes and food. Um, we had a women's center. We had jobs training. It was like wow. everything the community needs, you can go hmm. there and, and receive support to get it. Um, and so that's my idea of ministry, yeah. right? It's holistic. And um, that then really guides the way I approach psychology, that while I'm a professor, that the information we have should not be limited to the academy. Yeah, like yeah. That's a select number of people 
who can access like higher education. And also not just limiting it to individual therapy. While I am also a practitioner, I have a private practice and work primarily with trauma survivors. Um, and at the same time, as you named, the need is so great. Yeah. Um, you know, everybody is being affected. You know, we think about yeah. COVID, think about oppression, uh, even when we think about the high rates of uh, family violence, uh, right. child abuse or assault. So there is great, great need. And so uh, along with teaching in the academy and having my practice, you know, my heart was always on how do I get helpful information to the larger community? Yeah. And so uh, two years ago, maybe three now, almost three, I started my podcast, right. podcast called Homecoming. Mm -hmm. And it's one of those things where when something is placed on your heart to do, just do it and it will take care of itself. Yeah. And I'm, by that, I mean the way I received the book deal was because they became aware of my podcast. So I had been wow. doing the podcast for like free. You know, I don't have like advertisers. I don't, I just was doing it because it was on my heart to do it. And, you know, it just has led to multiple, multiple things. So um, follow the call is what I would say yeah. about that. And, you know, with the podcast, people love, because I put like quotes in social media and those are just like a few sentences. And so people They're are always amazing. saying, right, They're super you. encouraging. So yeah. If you don't follow, <laughs> follow Dr. Tama, you should. Yes. <laughs> Please on uh, Instagram and Twitter and <laughs> And so I put the quotes out, but people always want a fuller explanation. Mm. So then I do the podcast, which are like 30 minute episodes. And then people write me or want more information. So I said, wow. let's just put it in the book. <laughs> so good. And uh, so I'm delighted and I'm so grateful. Uh, they allowed me to also do an audio book. And I know um, some people are because of busyness and some people mm -hmm. who just are not big on reading mm -hmm. prefer to listen. Yeah. And so I love that that option is available and that it's in my voice. Yes. yes. I am a testimony to say that I was reading it and listening to it for multiple different reasons. One, I'm um, the way I learn is better by listening. But on mm -hmm. top of that, your voice is yes. just so like you <laughs> calming, calming and loving. Peaceful. And I remember mm -hmm. there was a point where um, I would re-listen or reread parts that I had read because I love to take notes, too. And there were parts where I had read and then I heard your voice and I'm like, I already read this. Why am I tearing up? And I'm like, <laughs> it's because of your voice and also just the anointing and the love that you yeah. carry for your work, you know. So yeah. I'm a huge advocate for the audio. Oh, Thank yeah. you so much. It was so beautiful just sitting in the studio, drinking my tea and talking. And uh, it's one of those things where you we get uh, lessons from the people who raised mm -hmm. us. Sometimes we're not even fully aware. But when I was growing up, my mother had um, a Christian women's radio show in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. And I can just remember her always saying, imagine people are in the room with you. So it's not like, hello out there, you know, <laughs> but just being present. And so I love that it had that Wow. Feel. Lesson learned from mama. <laughs> yeah. So good. It's also so interesting to even hear that little piece about your backstory, knowing that that was all probably training and prepping right. you for the podcast right. and being on TV and, and doing the yeah. things that you're doing. And so um, I'm curious from your perspective, and I know you talk about it in the book a bit, mm -hmm. but um, 
Christians and trauma or Christians and PTSD. And I'm kind of curious how you might see um, people who are believers who kind of see their their Christian walk as the strength and something to leverage, how you kind of see them maybe leveraging it in their healing probably in better ways or, or not so great ways. Like, how, like, and you actually talk about this a little bit in the book too, but if you wouldn't mind elaborating, I think that'd be great. Yes, so important. So our faith can both be a benefit to our healing and for some people, a barrier to their healing. Mm -hmm. So I'll start with the barrier first. And uh, the barrier is what I would say is really um, that theology, mm -hmm. which teaches people that we should be instantly over it, mm -hmm. right? That if I love God and if I have faith, then it's like, as soon as it happens, I should be done. And I, I think uh, it does not honor our humanity. It lacks compassion yeah. mm -hmm. in, in every sense of the word uh, to say to people, just leave it at the altar. You know, I had uh, a client who was a Christian and uh, her pastor said to her because she confided in her pastor that she was in therapy and without knowing me, without any knowing anything about what we were doing, the pastor said to her, I already prayed for you. You need to stop going and letting those devil people mess with your mind and you need to walk in your healing. Oh. And it's like, what in the world? Wow. So you did a three minute prayer. And I mean, when I say what this woman has been through, like it's just horrific mm. and uh and to set it up like an either or so I say yeah. you know I believe in prayer and yeah. therapy right yeah. and uh just like you know with with other aspects of our lives you know we pray and we lock the door at night mm. and yeah. we do that and do we mm -hmm. trust God yes and I'm gonna lock my door yeah <laughs> yeah so let us you know uh not shame people and I think often it's a lack of exposure or poor teaching yeah. You know, I've heard people in sermons say stuff like, you know, I went through this, this, and this, and I didn't get any sessions and look at me. And it's like, yeah, look at you, <laughs> right? Look at you, look yeah. at you. I, I think you could benefit from some yes. support, you know? <laughs> and, you know, I even had uh, one uh, person from the uh, Christian community say, um, I don't believe in therapy because it's no heavenly good. Huh. Like if it doesn't do anything for my soul, then why should I do it? It's like, is the dentist a part of your heavenly good? Yeah. Do you go to the dentist? You have glasses on your face. Is that for your heavenly good? Wow. So we get into this um, limitation, yeah. uh, not recognizing God can work through us, right? right? God right. can work through people. Um, so that's one of the ways it can be a barrier. I want to name also this pressure for instant forgiveness. Mm. And this is a big one where um, people will literally say, the only thing you need to do is to heal is to forgive, which centers wow. really the other person. Mm. And, and this whole thing of like, God's mad at you be because you're having a hard time forgiving. And so it is this uh, really harsh, uh, unrealistic, lacking grace response for the terrors and the traumas uh, that people have, have lived through. And it also lacks accountability. Yeah. I find in a lot of church communities, there is pressure for victims to forgive and no pressure on perpetrators to stop, yeah. mm -hmm. right? And no, you know, it's like with partner, intimate partner abuse, 
where people want to save the couple, even though one of the people is being terrorized. Mm -hmm. But to say that that is the will of God, just submit more and you'll be treated better. Submit. And so it's very uh, problematic. Um, And then the last part I'll mention in terms of barriers is for um, survivors of sexual violence who uh, end up, especially those who are dealing with molestation, Mm -hmm. um, thinking that God sees them as less Mm -hmm. or that the church sees them as less. And I just remember broke my heart as survivors saying, uh, and she was molested uh, by her father over several years. And she had this kind of recurring nightmare that when she got to heaven, there would be this announcement for Mm -hmm. all the virgins to go to a special section and that she couldn't go. And it's like, what, what are we doing here? Like, what, are, what are we teaching? What are we saying yeah. to put that weight, yeah. right, on people's shoulders? So those are ways that we, we want to do better. We have to do yeah, better. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, it, it also can be for many people uh, a resource. Yeah. And so um, I think about uh, survivors who will say things like, even if nobody else believed me, I know God knows, right? Yeah. Or God believe me. Or a lot of people don't get quote unquote justice in this life. So they'll say, even though this person didn't have to pay for what they did to me, they have to eventually answer before God. Yeah. And that may give them some relief that they have to answer to somebody. Um, and also this sense of hope and faith, because I think fundamentally therapy requires the belief in the miraculous, mm. right? That yeah. I believe I can be better than I am right now, even if I have never felt that before. Mm-hmm. Even if when I look around my family, I have not seen it, but some like that seed, I have that mustard seed that yep. just believes that something else is possible. And so uh, that can help us to keep showing up even when it's hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And you, you kind of talked about in the book too, how I think it was actually, no, it was in one of your videos where you said, um, you know, a girl had gone through some sexual trauma and she said, well, I, I've heard, you know, God is good. He is all knowing and he's all present. Is that right? And she was like, if all of that is true, like, well, something's got to not be true because if he loves me, he would have intervened, you know? And so sometimes it's hard to balance like, okay, I know you're good, God, and the church is telling me I need to just get over it or believe. And it's just not that black and white and not having um, the grace. And then also Mm -hmm. being trauma informed just Mm -hmm. does a disservice to all of the people that are entrusted to our care. And I think your book, especially talking about what it means to come home to yourself, Mm -hmm. um, helps us heal enough so that we can actually love and support people who also need to learn how to come home to themselves. Right. It's so true. The wrestling with it. I remember I was speaking at a conference in San Diego, a trauma conference, and a therapist asked the question and she said, you know, I had a client who's a sexual assault survivor, um, who is a believer, and she's been wrestling with her faith, given what happened. And she said, and to be honest, it's hard for me to help her because I'm wrestling with mine as well. Mm. And I said to her, I believe doubt is an important step in faith formation. Mm. See, because before you ask, when you don't have any questions, you just have memorization, right? Pastor said, grandma said, my mom said, the Bible said, I'm I'm reciting it 
But then when life shows up, now I have to wrestle with it, right? Like now, what does that mean given the storm, given the mountain? And so it is helping people to walk through that without shutting them down. A lot of times in our churches, we don't like people who ask questions. We get offended, mm, yeah. right, by questions. Or we're scared oh, of it. That's, yeah, we're, exactly, because we don't have the answer. Right. Yep. <laughs> and I think, you know, getting comfortable uh, also with the mystery. I think yeah. sometimes as ministers, you think you're supposed to have all the answers and these little cookie cutter answers don't really satisfy when people are trying to figure out how come my wife didn't get better, mm. right? How come my mother didn't get better? How come my father left and other people got to have a dad, right? So if I just say, you know, well, the praises go up or just be grateful or da, 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 it, it, it rings hollow, it's yeah. very empty. And so instead to be able to sit with, I don't know why uh, that happened to you. Mm-hmm. And I still believe that God does love you, even though it may be hard at times to believe it, right? Um, so I think it's important. Humility, you know, mm, I think sometimes yeah. we get into this arrogance, mm. which is really based on stop asking me because I don't know. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's that, that inner fear of, I, right. I, I don't have a good answer for you, so just don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I would have never asked that question because that question's not allowed, you yep. know? And I say, God is big enough for our questions. It's like, yes. you know, when a, yeah, a young woman told me that she wasn't speaking to God because her mom died. And she's like, God and I aren't on speaking terms. And I've heard people also say that when they had a miscarriage, right? Like, I, I, don't, I don't have anything to say to God right now. And, and, and to not shame people for that. And at the same time to say, whenever you're ready, God is not like us mm-hmm. and God is not defensive. God is big enough for my issues of like, God, I don't like how you did that. How come they all got to keep their babies and mine isn't here? Yeah. You can say that. Yeah. But whenever you're ready to say it. Yep. Yeah. Yep. I've, I've shared a lot. Well, we both have shared a lot of our stories and I actually had a season in my life where I knew God was there and I joke, I had him in timeout. Cause I was just like, <laughs> I can't talk to you right now. I'm so hurt. I'm so angry. And you know, was just in that wrestling and right. I like, I never said I didn't believe in him. I just was mm-hmm. like, I just really don't know how yeah. to talk to you or, you know, cause I was just so hurt. And then eventually, and he was okay with it. He mm-hmm. nurtured me enough until my heart was softened enough and healed enough to actually invite mm-hmm. him into the process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, at the time I didn't think I, I thought I was doing it all on my own mm-hmm. where he's right. like, sweetie, I've been carrying you, just <laughs> right. letting you do it on your own, you know? Even when you weren't speaking to me. I yep. think. <laughs> yes. Thank you for sharing that because I think um, often we don't share those seasons and then people feel like ashamed or judged or condemned. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a part of the journey. It really is. And it wouldn't have put me or Emma where we are at now without being real with ourselves in those moments and with God. So, yeah, I, um, so this actually reminds me, so my brain was going crazy. Like, oh my gosh, we could go so many different ways because all of this is such good information. And I think the piece around doubt and lament really like the, Mm -hmm. the unsaid thing there is, is so good. And I think that's also part of the Christian's journey in healing is, is allowing oneself to lament. And in chapter nine, you actually talk about, um, I love this quote. You said, He said, when you have a history of trauma, you often have a high tolerance for emotional pain. 
you had to learn to ensure, to persevere, and hold the pain in. Some of you even learned to do it with grace, with gloss, without the slightest hint that you've been affected by the losses. And that whole chapter is just around loss and like having to hold heartbreak. And uh, and so I'm just thinking about what you said and, and just what you shared, Dr. Tama. And uh, I'm curious for those of us in ministry, when we are walking with someone and maybe we have gone through so much in our lives that our tolerance for emotional pain and distress is really high. So if someone is coming to us about something we might think is like, nothing at least compared to what we've been through Mm -hmm. but for them it's something very big Mm -hmm. like how how do we bring ourselves back to being like jesus in that place instead of showing up as ourselves and being like Mm -hmm. trying to give the short answer trying to give the cookie cutter answer like how Mm -hmm. do we bring that foot forward I, i love that question because it is so true uh sometimes people go into instant comparison mode mm-hmm. and uh, like comparing their journey, yeah. their experience. And like you said, then scaling it and deciding this is less than what I have been through. Yeah. And what I would say to that is uh, it's a very ego driven response. Mm. If I can't hear you without mm. thinking about me, that's a problem, mm. right? Right. So to get out of the way, mm. this isn't your story, right? Mm. The, this this is not you. It is you being in service of someone else. And what I would say is instead of analyzing the event, to take in the impact, mm. right? So it's less about what I think about what happened to you or how bad it was. It's how bad it was to you, right? Because what I'm seeing is devastation. And sometimes people try to create a hierarchy on trauma Mm. and it just does not work. And sometimes we do it to ourselves. You know, I had a survivor who said um, her her father and brother used to uh, touch her breasts. And now this was years later, she's in adulthood. And her shaming of herself was, I know other people who had it worse, Mm -hmm. where there was actual penetration, right? And that didn't happen to me. So why am I still stuck in this? And it's like, take other people's experience off of it. A violation is a violation. You should have been able to walk around your house in safety. You should have been able to engage with your father and brother and not been objectified or sexualized. Mm -hmm. And so releasing comparison and feeling the heart of it, I think is the way we can best respond. Yeah. 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 So good. good. Um, I know that we want to leave time for questions, but real quick, I would love for you just to really describe what homecoming actually means. Um, And, um, yeah, I'm just going to leave it at that. And you can share whatever's <laughs> on your heart with, right. with that. <laughs> yes. So trauma and stress disconnect you from yourself. Mm-hmm. Uh, often we shut down or we go into like autopilot where we're super busy, but we're not really grounded. We're not really present. Um, we dissociate or we get numb. And there mm-hmm. are different things we do to numb ourselves. Uh, We often look down on people who are numbing themselves with substances, Mm. but some people numb themselves with religiosity, Mm. meaning as soon as they start to feel anything, they just go into like reciting scriptures and Mm. like cannot even tolerate their own truth showing up. And so to come home is to be able 
to be still. It is to be able to tell myself the truth about myself, Mm -hmm. to not live a lie. And once I am living from that place of truth, of honesty, of authenticity, it doesn't matter so much what's happening around me, who's present or not present, right? So I don't have to be one way with churchy people and a different way with my other friends. That's such a good point. And so I can be me, like whoever's around. If they can flow with it, fine. If they don't, that's fine as well, right? And so showing up uh, in the fullness of who God made us to be and also showing up in our humanity of wherever we are on the journey. And it is much less emotional labor. Mm. We labor a lot trying to get people to like us. We labor a lot trying to get approval. And so if I can really get in my spirit that when God looks at me, God already says, that's good. Yeah, you know, so like good. me, but like, you know, I have some jagged edges. That's good. That's mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so it's freeing. Yeah. And when I'm in that liberated place, now I can actually get to purpose. It's hard to focus on purpose or ministry or any other thing when I am at war with myself. Yeah. And so I want to be at peace with myself. Mm-hmm. Yep. And even in the book, you talk about, okay, cool. People can come to therapy and get healed, but it doesn't mean that joy has actually been restored. Yeah. And so we want to allow people not just to be healed because that was the like bump in the road. I forget how you described it, but that was the detour. Mm-hmm. So now right. can we actually get you where God has you and where your calling and your purpose is? Mm-hmm. And That's I think it. that your book does such a graceful job of one, explaining all of the um, uh, outward and inward signs yeah. of if you are um, not at home with yourself or you're yeah. emotionally disconnected in such a, a way where you can actually feel safe enough to look at yourself and realize I that actually is me. So, mm-hmm. you know, how do I do it? And it's just, you know, so anyone who's watching, you just, you need to get the book so yeah. that you can, <laughs> one, recognize it, right? Yes. And because I think that's half the battle is we don't actually sometimes realize where we're at and mm-hmm. why we're why we're trying to people please or why we're mm-hmm. only, you know, reciting verses in our head over and over until you know, nothing, we don't have peace. And then we're like, well, God's not fixing it. You know, all of these things. And your book just does such an amazing way of allowing that space, that grace and the courage to move forward, to, to look into the things that, okay, this is me and that's okay. Yeah. 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 I love that you have homework after every, (laughs) every chapter, because I also think it, it, I mean, for me, when it comes to homework, I'm like, okay, God, what do you want me to dig in deeper here? And so in some ways, I think if someone isn't ready for therapy, but if they can at least walk <laughs> through the book and walk through it with God, walk in it with community, maybe an accountability <laughs> partner or some, something, I, I feel like it really leads them on that journey. And so when they are ready <laughs> for therapy, can afford it, whatever it is, um, even yes. better. Yeah. Um, and I know that it's 135 and I know we have some ladies in the room here. If any of you guys happen to have a question, feel free to raise your hand and I'll go ahead and unmute you. Mm-hmm. Um, but just to kick us off, when it comes to questions, I mean, we're talking about, you're talking about people pleasing and we're talking about striving. And, and I think one of the things you talk about in one of your videos is actually um, the, I think it's the Christio um, version of, of healing after trauma, post-traumatic growth, mm-hmm. but like healing after trauma and um, how sometimes people want to get from it happening to all of a sudden working for God. 
And, and so they kind of want to jump into ministry right away. Like, let me do something about this here. And so they kind of miss the emotional formative steps in between. So I'm kind of curious from your perspective, just how we can learn if maybe what we're doing is coming out of maybe the fruits of striving and pleasing and trying to please God, but really pleasing yeah. others versus if it's coming from being at home with God and like, and, mm -hmm. and having it come from that place, if that makes sense. Right. Yes, yes, absolutely. And first I have to say, I appreciate both of your reviews. I <laughs> love it. <laughs> oh, that is, yeah, I'm like, write it down. Go okay. put it on Amazon. Okay, we'll do, we'll do. <laughs> um, so in terms of this this Christian model for trauma recovery, uh, what, what came to me is uh, the crucifixion was a trauma, mm -hmm. right? And so we mm -hmm. think about, uh, the crucifixion as traumatic, then looking at the steps of what Jesus did in the aftermath of the cross. And uh, the first step that I talk about is tomb time. Mm. And uh, that's the piece of, you know, staying there until the third day. Wow, and I yeah. think many times we want to instantly be up, right? And, you know, I, I always say, in the Black church tradition, we like to, especially on Easter Sunday, we like to make it a really dramatic story that it was like a nail biter, right? That Jesus wow. and the devil or yeah. Jesus and death were wrestling uh, yeah. all Friday night and all Saturday. And the reality is God is God. Yeah. So at any moment, God could have had Jesus rise. Mm -hmm. So I think there is a, a message to us in the aftermath of trauma is allowing ourselves to be still. Yeah. You know, I'm one of those people who I had a, a ankle surgery and, you know, was supposed to be off my foot. This was years ago for a certain amount of time. And I was, a friend had to point it out to me. I was walking around carrying the crutch. I was not using the crutch. Wow. I was holding it like a loaf of bread. <laughs> and like, what are you doing? <laughs> wow. And, you know, we don't want to, we don't want to be still, right? We have yeah. something to prove of like, we're going to get up and go. And I think that's also why the pandemic was hard for a lot of people who have difficulty with stillness, yeah. right? Uh, and then, I'll, so I'll just mention two other, because there are seven pieces to the, to the process in, in that model. But one other one is um, who Jesus chose to show up to yeah. uh, was to reveal himself to the women. Yep. And the women mm -hmm. were the he ones did. who were there, right? The women were there when he was in trauma and the disciples were hiding by and far. Most of them were hiding. Mm. So you want to think about who are the friends that show up for you when you're bleeding, mm. when you're crying, when you're hurting, when you're not perfect, when you don't have it together. And those are the ones we can reveal ourselves to, you know, because some people, you know, they go missing. They know you're mm. having a hard time and, Either they don't have time for it or they don't have the emotional, spiritual yeah. capacity, yeah. you know, but the ones who are like, I'm here, I'm here for the duration, you know, that I can kind of share my story with them. And then the uh, last one I'll mention um, is it's so important for uh, Christians to be taught the difference between forgiveness and reconciliation. Yes. Um, so because we put a lot of pressure on people to forgive when what we're really saying is reconcile. Mm. And, you know, when I read the, the, the Bible, yes, Jesus forgave the soldiers, but after he rose, he didn't go hang out with them. Yeah, right. He did not, he did it. So 
a lot of times because there was no remorse. It's like, if I go hang with them, they might try to hurt me again. Right. So sometimes the reason we're having trouble healing is because we keep trying to be friends with people who want to hurt us. Mm. And so when there's no repentance, there can't be reconciliation. Now that's biblical. That's salvation of God loves us. God forgives us. But for relationship, there has to be repentance and repentance is not just words. I'm sorry. It's a change in mind. And when my mindset changes, my behavior changes. And so to stop pressing people uh, and even pressuring ourselves to pretend people haven't done what they've done when there's no transformation. Yeah. So good. That is so good. And I, and that's also making me think about um, just how you talk about in the book about the inner court and the outer court when it comes to those relationships. And I don't know, I mean, maybe you know a little bit more, Chrissy, because I know that you lead women in ministry at your church and whatnot. But I'm, I'm curious because I feel like in ministry, you have people often say things like, you know, let people into your life, let them in, because then they can see God at work in you and see God at work in in your life and see what God's doing. And so I think there's this kind of give and take of like, or maybe that's not the right word, but there's this feeling of like, okay, I got to let everyone see what's going on. I got to let everyone in because I don't want to hide anything. I got to be transparent. God's got my life and it's all for him anyway. But then I think there's also this part of being careful for who's in that inner court. So I'm curious if you could share Mm -hmm. a little bit about um, just how far in is appropriate? Like, what is, how do you know when someone's a little too close to that part of you? Um, and yeah, so I guess if you wouldn't mind just sharing, and especially, yeah. I'm sure you've had this practice for all of your life too, I'm sure, being yes. a PK kid. Yes, right, absolutely. And people will feel they have the right to full access. Yeah. So I can't base it on other people's expectations, right? Because they'll come in and want it, want it all and want all your time and want your everything. And so, um, you know, I, I in part, you know, take my model from uh, Jesus, really, actually fully, mm-hmm. <laughs> is um, what uh, Jesus would heal and then he would disappear. Wow. He would minister, right? And you're like, where'd Jesus go? Yeah. He's wow. gone. <laughs> He's gone. And so we have this false notion that to minister means 24-7 being Mm, on. And that's not how Jesus did it. And although Jesus loved everybody, Jesus had an inner circle. Not everybody was in the inner circle. Now, when he was on and when he was teaching, bring the children, do this, do that. Yes, full, because I'm I'm here doing a work. But then when I'm just sitting around eating some fish and... I'm, I'm with my, my inner circle. Uh, and, and in terms of like what I share, I think it's important. There's a difference between my inner circle that I share as I'm going through it. And then as God, after God brings me through it, I'm willing to share it as a testimony with whosoever. Yeah. Right. So if you're, you know, if you're at the point of devastation, that's not the time to tell 50 million people uh, where you are. It's like bleeding in public. Mm. And so I want to go and receive care. And, um, and you know, when God gets the glory, you know, they're, they're gonna, there's going to be plenty of time for me to be able to, in workshops or wherever, be able to say, you know, there was a point in my life, da, 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 da. And this is how God brought me through it. So it doesn't, the testimony does not have to be instant. Yeah. Yeah. 
so good. That's really good. And I know we have a question here. Thank you for sending this through. Um, so she asked the question, how do we support someone who doesn't see the trauma they had is affecting them and those around them because they don't know there was trauma to heal to begin with? How do we invite the healing possibilities besides our own stories of healing? Yes, beautiful. Wow. So um, two things come to mind. One is uh, having to educate people that trauma is actually not rare. Mm. And even psychologists, we had to educate ourselves because yeah. when people first conceptualized PTSD, the word rare was in the definition. Oh, wow. wow. It was like a rare event, right? And the reason why some people don't think their thing is a trauma is because they're like, everybody I know has been through that. Yeah. Wow. Everybody I know has been like hit by a boyfriend or everybody mm. I know was molested or everybody I know saw their parents fighting in that way. So um, that it does not have to be rare for it to be a trauma. And then um, I would also say uh, that sometimes we get caught up in the language. Mm -hmm. So for me, I don't need to debate someone if they don't want to call it trauma, but let's just deal with the impact of what you went through, mm -hmm. right? I can, I can shift into that language like that, not like you must say it was a trauma. And, you know, no. The thing that you went through or the thing you saw in your house, mm. you know, it had an impact. And so a part of the therapeutic process is helping people connect the dots. And it's actually liberating when we connect the dots, because when we don't think we make sense, it really makes us like ashamed when we say things like, I don't know what's wrong with me, mm. or I don't know why I did that. Mm. And when we allow ourselves to actually connect the dots, you know, I tell people, if you tell me your life journey, you actually make sense, mm. right? You, you know, you're saying you want love, but you're sabotaging it. But that doesn't seem to make sense. But now that you have told me, right, what you saw, what were the models before you, then it makes perfect sense mm -hmm. what you're doing. And so then we can start uh, to heal it. So I would say it doesn't have to be rare. We don't have to have that language if people are opposed to the language of trauma. And then the third is connecting the dots because you're saying you're fine and yet I'm seeing it show up in these ways that are actually harmful to you. Yeah, yeah. You also talk about, I think this is actually, I forget the name of the book, but one of your previous books where you actually talk about simply just being a safe space for people where even if they don't want to, if they don't know they're in trauma, but you can just love them and be safe for them will be mm -hmm. healing in itself. And I think that is yeah, such a absolutely. huge thing of like, like there are times when I, like as I've grown with Emma, where I'm like, you just said something that I don't think I've ever had someone respond as like, that was really kind and mm -hmm. safe and like just made me feel so understood and seen where just that moment is a healing moment, right? So I think that just that that being that safe space is huge. Yeah, yeah. So a hundred percent. Yes. <laughs> even more, as you're saying, <clears throat> even more than like the magic words or the perfect scripture, mm. but we say sacred presence. Yeah. And uh, I actually learned about that in our uh, MDiv program. The class was called Ministry During Times of Crisis. And the professor was talking about bereavement mm -hmm. and how often people will stay away from those who are grieving because they don't know what to say. Mm -hmm. And that whole thing of just show up, 
You know, there isn't yeah. one right thing to say when someone is grieving. Yeah, that's so good. So yeah. you talk about sacred presence, and I know we're coming up on um, the last several minutes of the episode here. So I'm curious if you wouldn't mind sharing just a little bit about how you um, have your sacred time with the Lord. How do you, um, what we call is our practical pause, and we'll have a little bit of that at the end. But I mean, how do you do that for yourselves? What are your kind of sacred rhythms for your life right now? And then I think that would be a great time for us to transition into actually going into the practical pause. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. I love that. Uh, so I, I love it, uh, especially uh, in the morning. Mm. And even before I get into that, the morning kind of formal practice, I do think it's important that piece of perpetual prayer. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people don't understand that that sense of like, are you constantly saying, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, help me, Lord, <laughs> right? But just being at home, right, mm -hmm. in your soul, yeah. being present. Uh, to the voice and the urgings um, of God, you know, being led by the Holy Spirit uh, and, and that sacred awareness <clears throat> throughout the day. Uh, but in the morning, um, I love to start uh, with prayer. And along with my own prayers, I like uh, the prayers of Dr. Daniel Olakoyo, mm. who is a Nigerian prophet mm. and uh, who just is ministry is really prayer. Um, and so <clears throat> prayer and then um, reading uh, scripture and, and I think this is important, especially for ministers, mm -hmm. is making it alive to me, mm -hmm. right? Because sometimes ministers are only reading the Bible to like write a sermon, yep. right? Or yeah. like, oh, I could use this for Bible study. So it's, you know, it's, you don't want the outward focus, mm -hmm. but like, you know, to bring it in, yes. in my circumstance, in my day, in my life, what is, you know, the truth of this, right? Or what what is God speaking to me about? <clears throat> I want to say along with prayer or within prayer, the importance of silent listening, because I think many of us were taught, you know, this different stages of prayer and it's all us speaking, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. The worship, thanksgiving, petition, repentance, mm -hmm. blah, blah, blah. And like listening wasn't on the list. Mm -hmm. And then when people talk about meditation, we're like, ah, that's new age. We don't do that. And it's like, be still and know that I am God, right? So learning to tune our ears and our hearts to listen or silence to be a part of our practice. And then a last part for me, I would say is dancing. I love praise dance, mm -hmm. sacred dance, uh, dance as prayer, dance as worship. Uh, dance as warfare. And wow. uh, so that really, all of those really blessed me. Do you mind if I share something really quick before we jump into <laughs> yes. the pause? Yes. So um, I shared this with Emma and um, felt like I wanted to share with you in, in terms of dancing. So I actually had a dream about you, uh, what, a, a week, week and a half ago? A week ago, yeah. yeah. And um, it was before I had read your book. And I remember in the dream, you and I were actually waiting for Emma. We were in a store or something <laughs> and um, you were dancing. And for me, like I'm not a dancer. I would love to be, and it might be something that God will push me to do to come home to myself. Right. But in the mm. dream, you were dancing and so joyful and it allowed, um, it allowed, but also opened up a space in me to have that joyful, um, childlike joy and dance as well. And so 
I mean, I know God speaks to us in our dreams. And so I just wanted to take this as an opportunity to actually tell you, and this is something I'm sure you already know, but you in life and your book and everything, you cause people to have that childlike joy and you create that space to, um, Mm -hmm. like, it's just, I think it's obviously an anointing on your life where you, you allow people to come to that safe space whether it's in your dancing or your speaking or just how you love, um, it creates and like almost catapults people into that space of I can have that childlike joy again. And I know you speak yeah. about in the book too of of getting back to your joy. And um, so I was I was like I don't know do I share this with her? But I just feel like you know whether you know it or not, and it's something that you you have been told just. It's, I just felt like I needed to share it. And even in my dream, I just remember thinking like, this is so not like me, you know? (laughs) And then I'm realizing as I'm reading the book, I'm like, actually, I think it is me. It's me coming home to me, you know? And so I just wanted to share, I know we only have seven minutes until we're supposed to be off of this, but I just wanted to share with you because you truly, I know you've changed so many lives. You've already helped us so much. And so I just wanted to share that with you as an encouragement and just to thank you of just who you are and all God is doing through you and just your obedience to walk out in it too. So. Oh, thank you so much. I love that we were dancing together in the dream and getting yes. out of the familiar, you know, cause we get these scripts in our heads of like, that's not me. Right. Or I don't mm-hmm. do that. And it's like the old me didn't do that, yes. right? But the new me is suddenly a dancer. Right? Yep. Yes. <laughs> so you might uh, see me in some sort of dance class <laughs> to get right. more comfortable in my skin and come home to myself. I love it. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah. Well, you all have, uh, you're, you sharing the dream has shifted me for our closing moment. I was going to do uh, a guided meditation uh, but I think I'm going to lead us in a little chair movement. Okay. okay. All right. Awesome. All right. Okay. Well, let's do okay. the practical pause. Okay. Yes. Practical pause. So this is uh, inspired from a, a West African dance in Liberia. And if we were doing it standing, the feet throughout are going like right, right, left. So just with your body, you can just kind of right, right, left, right, right, left. So we're going to think about this symbolically. The first thing that we do in the dance is to wake up. So it goes right, left, da-da-da, So I'm gonna ask both of you, what are you waking up out of? Yes. Oh, for real? <laughs> yeah, for real. Okay. I'm waking up out of I'm waking up out of fear. I was gonna yes. say the same thing. Um yeah. I'm waking out of not being me. Hmm. Ah, good. Then after we wake up, we wash and it goes wash, wash. So putting that water on. Boom, doom, doom, doom. All right. So now what are you washing off of yourself? Yes. Ah, oh, the past. Yeah. Yes. Um, I think the expectations. Yeah. Yes. Good. And then after we wash, we're affirming ourselves. So we look in the mirror. Boom, boom, boom. Yeah. <laughs> and so we want an affirmation. I am what? Give yourself one affirmation or compliment. I am God's image. Yes. Beautiful. Yeah. Yes. Beautiful. All right. And so then we're ready to go out in the world. Right, right, 
left. And so I'll ask you now, where are you going? You know, God, where am I going? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, I'm, I'm going home. Yes. Uh, <laughs> love it. I'm going home. Emma, right. you didn't answer. <laughs> I'm going to say. Are you going home too? Where are you going? I am going home, but I want to dance more. Like I actually, <laughs> after doing this, I want to dance more. <laughs> Excellent. I and love then we it. pick our, we're gonna, the last one is we're gonna eat. So hold the bowl with one arm okay. and we're feasting. Dun, 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 dun. Mm. And so, what is it you're giving yourself in this season? What are you gonna give yourself? Grace. Mm. Patience and love. Yeah. Yes. And give ourselves a hand in sign language. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so Beautiful. much. Oh, oh man, it definitely takes some uh, getting out of my comfort zone there, but it's great. <laughs> I love it. Wow. I'm gonna watch it back and do this again for sure. Oh, <laughs> we have people who are commenting on on our screen telling us that they're crying. That was so good. Thank you oh, so good. much, Dr. Tama. <laughs> Ah, uh, man, so it was such a pleasure to have you with us. Um, yeah. Who knows, maybe we'll be dancing together somewhere someday and crossing paths yes. again. Um, yeah. But if you guys have not gotten homecoming, please get it. It yes. is awesome. It is a great um, journey to take to go home to yourself and uh, follow her on Instagram and all the socials. Yes. It will encourage you every morning. And if you'd like to follow us on Instagram or all of the social medias, feel free to follow us and uh, get, catch this recording later on. And we'll yeah. see you guys next month. Thank you again, Dr. Tama. And oh, we're just so, so grateful for you. Such a blessing. Mm, yeah. Thank you. I had a wonderful time dancing with you. Yes, Yay. me too. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. All right. All right. Bye, -bye. Bye, everyone. Great day. Bye. <laughs>